Hello, how are you? Thank you for coming. Thank you. Um, let me just ask how to pronounce your name. Um, Charbel Hapchi or? Yes. Could you? Yeah, is that okay? Yeah. Okay, great. Thank you. Uh, we'll uh, start in around five minutes. Um, we'll wait for people to arrive and then I'll introduce you to and then the stage is yours. Hi, Frank. Do you want to come up? Hi, Katerina. Hi, uh, Chappelle. Yeah, interesting uh, topic. Yeah. Hi, thank you for coming. Uh, I have I actually have a question. Uh, can I take a uh, early start with uh, asking uh, my question to Chabelle? Uh, sir. Did did you say something? I, I think either my. Uh... Yes, sure. I, you can ask me. Okay, so uh, can you uh, 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 say some uh, thing more about the? I, I'm completely ignorant of the existence of the. Uh, there's a electric electricity like a. Uh, gradient in our atmosphere. atmosphere. I'm I'm just like completely blank on uh, on that uh, fact. Is that uh, how how strong it is, and in what uh, uh, direction? If there's a gradient, is it pointing upward or downwards, or and what causes? Yeah. So the the Earth atmosphere has an electric field. They will uh, drive the, the balloon. 
So uh, the value of the standard manufacturer environmental like uh, disasters and uh, under weather conditions and uh, uh, so yeah so uh, thanks I, I don't know uh, Karina can it, it's just me like the the volume is really low for uh, from oh, uh, I I didn't realize some, um, yeah, I think Trevor, uh, uh, your voice was very, very low. We, we couldn't hear, I didn't realize because I was um, posting this on Twitter and so on that the room started. Um, could you try to speak again and maybe closer to the microphone? Yeah, we still cannot hear or it's just me, but I cannot hear anything. Um, I don't know. Are you speaking with the headset or just um, free on your phone or computer? It must be on a very low volume, the speaker, I think. No, I'm using my uh, Now we can. My phone. Much yes. better. Is it better now? Yes. I'm sorry I didn't realize. I put my, you know, when you pin no, and so you don't see the screen or somebody's talking so i'm sorry about that hi everyone uh thank you for coming uh thank you khalid uh we'll start maybe another minute we'll wait and then i think frank was also asking a question so i'm sorry if you have to repeat it but apparently yeah. we didn't understand I'm sorry. yes so uh, the question was about the earth's electric field so the electric field uh, in the earth so it, it depends on on when, where it is measured so if if uh, we take a flat surface the uh, electric field will be uh, very small and it will increase on uh, high prominences like uh, tree branches so that's why uh, like spiders will will try to climb to tree branches or high prominences to to try to balloon where the electric field, the earth electric field is much higher. So the, the value of the uh, of this field will depend on many factors, mainly on the weather conditions and uh, and the locations and uh, so on, on on the on the geometry of of the uh, of of where we are measuring the, the field. Is it So, so for example, on on flat surface, the electric field would be like around 100 volt per meter, but it could be multiplied by 10 or hundreds if if it is measured on let's say three branches. Did I answer your question, Frank? So. Uh, yeah. So, what 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 is the cause of this? Uh, 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 e field, the gradient, is is it because of the? Uh, I know there's a magnetic field. Uh yeah, so. Uh, so it's it's like. 
uh, you know, like when, when you have the thunderstorms and all these, so so you have always electric charge in the atmosphere. So this this is existing, and it will. Uh, so when you have like the thunderstorms, so this this is like when you have very high gradients in 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 uh, in uh, the electric uh, field gradient. Okay, um, let's maybe start the room. It's already uh, 9.04 and I'll introduce you um, to the audience and then uh, and then uh, let's go from there. Is that okay with the both of you? Um, okay, so welcome everyone to the Science Society. And uh, we are very honored to have two guest speakers here, uh, Dr. Harbshi and Dr. Jawith. And let me tell you a little bit about them. Um, so um, Dr. Uh, Charbel Hapshi, um, he's an associate professor of mechanical engineering at the Notre Dame University, Louise, which um, is ranked among the top five universities in Lebanon. And um, his ed education joins energy and thermal sciences. He has a Master of Science and a Doctor of Philosophy and Mechanical Engineering. He has a, um, um, a Master of Science in Mechanical Engineering. And um, he teaches courses in the um, Thermal Fluids Engineering track and supervises Master's and PhD students. Uh, his main research interest focuses on computational fluid dynamics fluid structure, interaction, heat, and mass transfer. Um, he, um, he, he, had, um, he has a lot of uh, different grants from Lebanese and European institutes. He published more than 55 papers in peer-reviewed journals, and um, he won um, different international awards and he's currently working with um, different international collaboration and one of them is UCLA which um, led to this uh, project that we uh, will be discussing today and uh, let me introduce you to our second guest speaker Dr. Khalid Jawad. He's assistant professor at the Department of Mechanical and Aerospace Engineering at the University of California in LA and he um, did his bachelor in um, science and engineering physics at the university of michigan and also a bachelor in uh, aerospace engineering at the university of michigan and he did his phd in mechanical engineering at mit and um, in 2016 and he was a postdoctoral fellow at the Carnegie Mellon University. And yeah, as I said, now he's a system professor and he is a mechanician with profound interest in potentially transformative impact of machine intelligence on the field of mechanics. And his career goal is a data-driven and artificial intelligent approach to the modeling and design of programmable smart structures. He envisions applications of machine learning algorithms and autonomous robotic frameworks to characterize, enhance, control, and apply the mechanical properties and instabilities of complex materials and metamaterials. 
and um, yeah, his hometown is um, Dhaka in Bangladesh, and uh, he published also many, many um, um, uh, publications. And um, yeah, so we are very honored to have uh, both of you here um, talking, um, explaining to us your really very cool new paper. So thank you both. And the stages you are- just wanted to say that uh, I had to deep fake myself as Spider-Man just for the occasion. So uh, PTR, if you want to chuckle. <laughs> oh yeah, I see. Thank you, Eric. Yeah, I don't know. Should I switch to the paper or do you want to talk about the slideshow that we have up? Um, yeah, please let me know. So I, I can uh, talk a little bit about the paper and what we have done, and then we can uh, have a look on the animation on the YouTube uh, video to explain what, what we have observed. Okay. So first, I would like to thank you, Katarina, for this introduction and for organizing this talk. And thank you, everyone, for being here with us. So, uh, so even even those spiders, they they don't have wings. They were observed to fly hundreds of miles. So this this mechanism of uh, dispersal of the uh, these winged spiders is is known as uh, ballooning ballooning so during this uh, process the spiders will climb to uh, uh, to high trees or high prominences and then they will emit so they will emit uh, multiple fine uh, threads of silk which are electrically electrically charged and uh, once the conditions are are good for ballooning so the when the uh, electrostatic force caused by the interaction between the earth electric field and the uh, electrostatic charge on the on the silk threads they will uh, float through air then the wind will blow the spiders in the direction uh, so that's how they disperse so scientists have been uh, studying about this uh, behavior since the 17th centuries so the first was the uh, charles darwin who observed uh, hundreds of uh, spiders uh, were ballooning and uh, landing on on his uh, ship, the HMS Beagle, when he was uh, like far from the, it was like about 60 miles offshore. And later on, many observations were uh, done. Uh, so you, uh, there were there are two two uh, competing theories to explain the ballooning of of spiders. So the first one was extensively studied in the literature is that uh, ballooning of spiders is associated to uh, natural conduction currents which are mainly caused by the uh, thermal ascending air uh, currents which will uh, lift or create a lift force which will push the spiders up in the air so this is the first theory and there are many uh, studies uh, on this one the other one, the second the hypothesis, is that the ballooning of spiders was uh, is assumed to be caused by the electrostatic force. So this electrostatic force is caused by the uh, Earth's electric field. So this electric field in the Earth is caused 
So maybe due to the uh, gradient in uh, the uh, electric potential between the ground level and the atmosphere, and also due to the changing magnetic uh, field. So the interaction between the electric field and the electric charge of the spider's silk threads, this will cause an electrostatic uh, force, so uh, which will lift, so which will uh, hypothesize to lift to, to create a lift force on the threads, which may cause the spiders ballooning. Uh, this so this is a very similar to static hair, which occurs when when uh, when our hair is, builds up an electric charge due to friction, causing the hair to repel in all directions. Uh, now, very few consider this second hypothesis in the literature, uh, especially from a modeling point of view. Uh, most of these models were mainly based on uh, simplified uh, one-dimensional single threads, so very simplified models. Uh, recently, in 2018, a group of uh, scientists from the University of Bristol have done a lab experiment. So they uh, put a spider on a prominence and they uh, generated an electric uh, field inside the chamber, which they can control. And uh, they measured, they tried to measure the uh, speed of uh, the ballooning spiders. However, the, the conditions on the electric field in the, in the lab are much too higher than those in the nature because they, so they can better observe what's happening. So to summarize, in the literature, there is no investigations on a multi-thread spider ballooning process from a modeling point of view, neither on the effect of the uh, electrostatic repelling force on the terminal shape of the threads and on the ballooning velocity. So what we tried to do in our paper is that, uh, so based on uh, Dr. Khalid Jawad, he, is, uh, he worked a lot with uh, 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 dynamics of uh, flagella and uh, elastic filaments when it were used uh, advanced uh, numerical uh, tools. So in our paper, we adopted uh, a model he used in his uh, research, and we adapted this model by including the, electro, uh, the uh, electrostatic force, the electrostatic forces and the uh, Coulomb repelling forces. So we built a three-dimensional numerical model which includes all the uh, forces acting on the threads and on the spider. So we took into consideration the viscous forces due to friction with air and the uh, spider and threads weight and dimensions. And of course, the electrostatic lift force and the repelling forces due to the Coulomb uh, repelling force. So, uh, we uh, we performed a lot of uh, analysis to explore the ballooning and the unfolding dynamics of the uh, spider silk threads. So to do so, we performed a parametric study with large number of parameters, so that we have a complete overview on the ballooning process under different conditions. So for this end, we we used an algorithm 
mainly developed by the computer graphics community. So this algorithm was, uh, in fact, was used also in uh, Hollywood movies like The Hobbit and The Planet of Apes. Uh, so it was used to uh, to model the dynamics of fur and hair. Uh, so why this algorithm? Because it's very computationally efficient and uh, it could be used to run simulations with a large number of slender threads, like our case. So in the first, so we have a numerical results. We need first to validate these results. So we compared our data with those obtained experimentally uh, and in the literature. Uh, for experiments done in uh, in the lab under controlled conditions by scientists from the University of Bristol. So the comparison first showed a very good quantitative, quantitative agreement. And then we moved to the uh, parametric simulations by taking into consideration the large number of variables and conditions like varying the spider weight number of threads the values of the electric field uh, of the earth's electric field and the threads electric charge and dimensions so all these parameters we were uh, measuring the uh, or calculating the uh, ballooning velocity mainly and also are interested in the uh, terminal shape of the uh, of the threads so first we obtained uh, like, uh, an empirical results for the terminal ballooning speed and for the lift force so we can use our results to uh, quantify what what would be the ballooning speed under under given conditions and uh, the main conclusions we have obtained are that mainly the electric field is uh, responsible for ballooning of small spiders even in a normal electric uh, earth electric field without the need of any additional raising air currents however for larger ballooning spiders which are uh, rarely observed to balloon in nature but in in rare observations we have we found like uh, one type of large spiders who were able to balloon so for this type of spiders our results show that they could not only uh, relay on on the uh, electrostatic lift so they will they they would need uh, some push from the uh, rising uh, hot air currents uh, in addition to that we highlight uh, quantitatively the importance of the electrostatic charge in the uh, which is in the threads to create the repelling forces so that the threads will be repelled and they will form a uh, 3D uh, conical shape, which is which explains what 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 the scientists were observed in the literature. So this uh, this repair this repelling is caused by the uh, Coulomb repelling forces due to the same uh, electric charge in the threads, and this will avoid the entanglement uh, between the threads. So uh, this this model in what and uh, the study we have done would help, for example, in uh, designing in the future maybe new types of uh, ballooning sensors and probes, which could be used to explore the atmospheric properties. 
without the need of any uh, large uh, engines or motors so it could be like if we imagine building a small tiny uh, sensor which can balloon under the uh, electrostatic forces uh, now in the future we would like to perform experimental measurement in real world by taking into consideration the different environmental conditions mainly uh, by measuring the value of the uh, earth's electric field during the ballooning and other conditions like humidity and how these can affect the ballooning of spiders now many questions still need to be answered so for example we still don't know exactly what are the values of the threads electric charge so how can we measure this these values these electric charge so we can better quantify what is the required electric uh, uh, the earth electric field for ballooning and also in our study we considered the two two cases the first case is uh, the charge were uniformly distributed on the spider threads while in the second case uh, this, the electric charge is localized at the tip of the thread so these are also two uh, hypotheses in, in the literature so we still don't have a clear, clear uh, uh, answer about whether the electric charge is uniformly distributed or it will be quickly uh, local, uh, localized at the tip of the threads because this would affect uh, has a, this has an effect on the ballooning speed and even on the final shape of the threads during the ballooning. And also, uh, we have like we don't know yet how the spiders can control the direction in which they balloon. So we know it's due to the wind, the air wind, but can they control this by let's say? Uh, increasing or decreasing the length of the threads or the number of uh, ballooning threads so still have many uh, questions to answer but so this is all always an open subject for research now if you open the uh, the youtube link we have some animations showing okay. the yeah. i will put it up one second. Okay, should be up now. Yeah, there it is. Okay, so we can skip the abstract and the text to uh, second uh, twenty three seconds where we show the results first for uh, ballooning with only two threads. So if you go to second 23, so this is an example showing how the uh, spider, which was initially on the ground level with the uh, threads vertically, vertical threads. And we can see how the spider is moving upward while the threads are repelling due to the uh, coulomb repelling forces so this is the first uh, two threads now second one which follows is an animation with four threads 
which shows like a conical 3D shape for the threads, which are repelling until reaching a steady state uh, shape. And finally, we have done simulations with eight threads. So this, the process is very quick. The, the, the repelling is is very quick. So this was a a challenge for the for us during the modeling process to model this fast uh, the fast unfolding dynamics. And so so we have two two observations. First one, the ballooning occurring due, uh, only due to the electrostatic forces, and the second one, the repelling of the threads, avoiding the entanglement, and thus. Uh, making the uh, giving this uh, 3D conical shape, which was observed in the literature. So I, I can leave now the floor for uh, Khalid. He can add more explanations. If you would like. So um, I just had a question. So there were some discussions in previous models about the spider webbing uh, playing a part in this. Uh, if I understand correctly, you're only saying that the legs of the spider play a part here. Um, is is that uh, is that an accurate uh, understanding? Uh, I'm sorry, I did not really understand. So you said that. Uh, can you please? Repeat yeah. So I thought questions? so. Some previous models that I have come across uh, before talked about the spider web being used kind of like a fishing line, and it helped. Uh, perhaps amplify this sort of effect. Uh, your model seems to only, um, if I understand it correctly, uh, seems to only address the legs playing part in this electrostatic uh, lift process. Um, have you considered how the webbing itself could be uh, implemented? Because some spiders, like baby spiders, for example, just launch a, a certain amount of webbing, kind of like a kite. Uh, except there is no kite at the end, and then they kind of use that to lift off, and I suspect it probably uh, adds to your model, but uh, have you considered this or discussed it, investigated it? Yeah, so yeah, exactly. So there is a, are some studies showing that the spider web uh, gets uh, charged electrostatically, and uh, so this is charging is called, so when you have the web and the, the wind blowing across the web, this will have friction, so this will charge the the web, and this will attract more uh, more uh, insects. So uh, this is very similar to what we have done. So in, in our in our model, the the threads, the uh, silk threads, which are ejected from the uh, from the from the spider, they will uh, get charged due to friction with air, and uh, uh, this is the same process. So our model can be completely used for the same. For the same uh, purpose, so we can model uh, charged uh, web and how they interact with uh, incoming insects, for example. Or can you... So this is the same. Yeah. That's that's fascinating. I personally hate it when spiders fly across. So uh, understanding it will help me better avoid uh, perhaps uh, some of these collisions. I know if you're walking through a forest or something, sometimes this can happen. Uh, in terms of areas where this happens, uh, you said you wanted to do live tests or I guess field tests or some sort of more experiments. Where do you see those next experiments happening? Is it perhaps around 
uh, electrostatic events like thunderstorms, or are there other localized areas, perhaps uh, that uh, or localized phenomena or other conditions that uh, you're planning on investigating? Yeah. So the according to uh, what uh, the literature and what we have observed from our results, so the best uh, uh, way to observe these uh, these events would be like in uh, during calm weathers when the wind is uh, very low speed because this 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 was observed when 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 spiders were observed to balloon the air speed was was very very low and uh, and uh, we have to uh, to be in areas where there exist uh, high prominences like tree branches where the spiders can climb so they can can uh, benefit from the higher uh, earth uh, potential gradient. Now, thunderstorms and uh, this will, will lead to a higher levels of uh, of, uh, of uh, electric fields in the in the atmosphere. So this one could help uh, the ballooning process, of course. But uh, this does not require to have this much, uh, let's say, high values for for ballooning because because the spiders observed to to balloon even in in calm weather. Uh, calm weather days. Thank you. Um, yeah, Dr. Khalid, uh, would you want to add something um, to the presentation? Yeah, sure. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you for the introduction, Katerina. Um, very, very much appreciate it. Um, <clears throat> I uh, I would like to uh, kind of mention that I think uh, the paper kind of opens up more questions in a way than it answers because you know, now all of a sudden we we know that uh, there are so many different parameters. Some spiders can balloon without help from the wind. Some spiders cannot do that. So what's exactly happening? Um, so we really need to do uh, real world experiments, but personally I'm very uh, excited about its prospect of using, um, its prospect of, of biomimetic, uh, its prospect in biomimetic soft robots. So and if we can build uh, simple sensors and robots that can mimic spiders, that, that will, will be really cool because it looks like it is kind of exploiting Earth's Earth's atmosphere uh, electromagnetic field, and uh, and I don't think of any robotic application where this uh, this energy, if you will, uh, is is being used. We use wind, we use uh, hydropower, we use solar energy, but uh, we don't really use the the electromagnetic field. So it'll be it'll be really cool. I'm not sure how that'll be done. It's probably several years down the road. But I hope that eventually we will learn how to use this. Well, it sounds like there might be an application for some sort of atmospheric monitoring where you could have a bunch of uh, airborne kind of floating sensors uh, distributed throughout. And uh, that, that would be a very interesting application. Although the uh, harnessing of such uh, electrical energy uh, sounds very much like a Tesla revival, Nikola Tesla. So that's also very exciting. Yes, it is very um, exciting, but we don't really know exactly, like, let's say, how a spider 
controls its altitude and how it changes the direction and all of that so uh, without understanding that properly um, I think uh, we we have to still keep doing a lot of research and and after that once we fundamentally understand okay this is how spiders are doing it uh, maybe we can we can try to exploit it or another option would be uh, just try a few different things and 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 uh, come up with our own control strategy uh, but spiders are the thing is that spiders are very lightweight so in a very lightweight body uh, looks like there's a great deal of intelligence embedded. So that's that's very cool. Uh, and in terms of uh, simulations, uh, what kind of software did you use? Uh, or uh, what kind of uh, softwares, software packages like MATLAB, COMSOL, or uh, I'm just curious uh, for, for some perspective. So I'll, I'll talk about the simulations. So we use a, uh, an algorithm called discrete elastic rods. And uh, this is not a software that uh, you can just buy off the shelf. It is something that uh, we have codes uh, that we had to write. And some of those codes are available uh, on GitHub. And I'll be happy to share um, the link with, with anyone who is, who, is interest, who is interested. Yeah, I would love um, to take a look. I'll DM yeah, you so, in the uh, back channel. Yeah, sure. Um, so it's very important. One thing to keep in mind is uh, these are really, uh, really long uh, threads, and there are multiple of them, and there are multiple different types of forces that are acting on them. And very importantly, the shape of the spider, uh, spider silk, that is changing with different forces like aerodynamic forces and electromagnetic forces. And uh, there is a two-way coupling here. So the shape of the threads, the silk threads, that depend on the external forces. But at the same time, the external force, that also depends on the shape of the thread. It's kind of like, you know, you're here. Uh, if, you, if you're walking down, um, if, if you're in a windy weather, then because of air, you're, the shape of, the, of your hair will change. But at the same time, how much drag you're experiencing that will depend on uh, what type of hair you have, right? And how the how the shape of the hair is looking like. So capturing all of that is, well, I mean, in summary, it's very difficult to, to capture all of these things, especially if you want to do parameter sweeps. If I want to run simulations of you know, thousands and thousands of different types of spiders, which is what we did, um, we have to run them real fast, unless we want to use supercomputers. We actually ran all the simulations on a, on a regular desktop computer. And for that, we need we need fast simulation tools. So that's why we um, we borrowed tools from the computer graphics community, um, as Charbel mentioned, uh, to simulate hair and far and other filamentary structures in Hollywood movies. Uh, oftentimes, discrete elastic rods is a simulation tool that is used. And so, for example, the hair and far of the hair and beard of Grandaf in Hobbit, for example, those are simulated, right? Uh, they're done using using uh, this software, and uh, we we took their help. We bought the simulation tool, then we augmented the simulation tool to include uh, things like electromagnetism and and uh, Coulomb repulsion forces and so on, and then finally we simulated uh, this this uh, flight of spiders.
Yeah, if you have any questions, uh, please go ahead. Uh, I think Frank had before a question. And um, yeah, flash your mics if you have a question and go ahead. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, I earlier asked the, you know, the, the background the, uh, knowledge of the atmospheric uh, electricity uh, field. I did a, a Google just now. And just to double check that I got tape correct. So essentially, uh, according to your on the web, how far did that? That is, uh, I think, probably correct. Uh, the, uh, I didn't get any of that. Oh, yeah. The thunderstorms are like. Uh, Frank, we, we couldn't hear you. You're like in the matrix. You sounded like you were in the matrix <laughs> for the last 90 seconds. Maybe try going off Wi-Fi. I find there are sufficiently many dead spots with Wi-Fi, such that Sorry. sometimes moving a foot to the left or right can fix reception. But uh, if you're on Wi-Fi, maybe try disconnecting for a moment, and then because uh, we couldn't uh, hear what you said. How about now? Can I? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, we can hear you now. Cool. The so the um, thunderstorm is a, like battery driving the uh, electricity current. So in the uh, fair weather air condition, it, the ground is uh, negatively charged, and the so then uh, apparently it, it repels the uh, anything you know negatively charged. For example, the spider silk. So if that's uh, correct, then um, have you done like experiments that uh, say you have a make a balloon or 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 something similar like artificial threads negatively charged and uh, see if that uh, can also uh, airborne. Also, uh, a question regarding the comparison with uh, the other uh, hypothetical model of just by air dynamics, the uh, other, uh, the two forces, how, how do they compare? Uh, I do read a, a little at uh, the, the start of the paper that uh, there seems to be biological uh, pointers to the uh sensors of the electrical field um that's very interesting how you know the um is it uh, so that basically uh, so the, the for the two uh, models it basically says uh, uh one uh, for the electricity then uh, uh the i mean the uh, the spider will avoid uh, rainy weathers, right, uh, to airborne. And uh, for the uh, mechanical uh, uh, fluid mechanics um, hypothesis, then it should have some kind of a mechanical uh, sensor as well to sense whether there's wind for them to migrate uh, by wind. Is that, uh, do I uh, uh, make sense? Do those questions make sense? Yes, th thank you for the, the question. So first for the uh, experiments, we, we did not uh, do uh, experiments uh, yet, but uh, a team from uh, the, the University of Bristol have, uh, have done uh, experiments in, in a lab. So inside a chamber, they created an artificial uh, electric field and uh, they uh, observed how, and they put a spider on a uh, prominence who uh, and they observed how he uh, this spider balloons 
So they were able to uh, measure the speed of uh, the ballooning speed of the spider for different uh, electric uh, field uh, uh, values they created. So this this was the only like uh, experimental uh, uh, observation or quantification of uh, of the spider ballooning speed for uh, with known um, uh, electric field in the, in the atmosphere, which was artificially generated. And uh, for the sensing of uh, uh, so yes, the spiders uh, can sense the uh, wind, so they have. Uh, sensors that uh, they can sense the uh, air speed even at very low speeds, and also uh, they can sense the uh, electric field in the atmosphere. So this was also done in an experiment by the same uh, team. Where, but but here there is a debate that the uh, uh, how how the spider can differentiate between between air speed or an electric field. Because the sen these sensors, it's like a very tiny uh, hair on their legs, uh, and uh, under very slight wind, this this hair will like oscillate. But this it it will also oscillate under the effect of the uh, electric field in the atmosphere. So there is a debate how how the spider can differentiate whether this the uh, he's sensing uh, wind or it's due to electric field this is not uh, clear uh, yet uh, and for the uh, question about uh, avoiding rainy days so first, when, uh, when we have uh, even if it's not uh, rainy if it is uh, humid so when the weather is humid the, uh, the threats they will not charge because the, to, to have like efficient Charging process of the hair or or of the uh, of the silk threads. We need to have a dry weather. So uh, so that's why uh, ballooning spiders were observed mainly during uh, calm days and uh, dry weather. So I have a question. So in trying to sort out this differential of how do they know where 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 do they start and where do they go i understand they start high and then they go lower because that's just physics but are, are they going somewhere like what is the objective of this travel yeah so that's uh, how they uh, disperse so uh, spiders will uh, like when when they when they are when they will float in, in the air at very high altitudes and then we will be blown by air the air wind in, uh, in the direction of the wind and this could be in hundreds of miles. So they were observed to, 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 to travel hundreds of miles. And this is a very important for their survival and for their dispersal uh, uh, process. Hundreds awesome. of miles. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. Why did the uh, spider surf the wind? Because it could. <laughs> yeah, that, that's uh, amazing how, how they got they can like travel very very long distances without without any wings just due to do do they have travel insurance for that or what <laughs> i'm curious so, about the oh go ahead frank oh oh thanks just quickly so the from what i gather is my impression so far is the the spider uh, travel mostly by wind, wind, 
fluid dynamics of the air. Then the electrostatic uh, serve as a oscillatory, I mean, uh, secondary, uh, might, you know, help in some, uh, for some specific evolutionary survival purpose, but uh, not, uh, uh, not a must have, right? So can I, is that fair? So, so the, if the the electric the electrostatic lift is is very important, so they can float in the air. So it's like once they are they they can float under this lift uh, the electrostatic lift force, then they will travel according to the uh, air wind. But without the electrostatic force, they they will not be able to float in the, in the air. So it's like uh, it's like uh, say a a hidden engine, which which uh, makes them fly and then the wind will will direct them into uh, so it will disperse them depending on the, on the wind direction i see so but they still do then the, the yeah. competing theory uh, to delineate here is the lifting force right so whether it's by upward convection air current or by your uh, electrostatic like a uh, uh, ballooning force uh, how does that the two uh, compare if I'm I'm imagining if there's already wind, then uh, there's already uh, air current. But uh, if in order to travel a long distance, I think electrostatic uh, would uh, actually be more plausible. I don't know. I mean, can are there like uh, this? These experiments seems not very hard to do. I mean, it, it's just like mimicking the. So as Eric alluded to, the uh, we can even, you know, farming this uh, electricity, right, uh, of the atmosphere if uh, just uh, naive, simple uh, uh, experiments like uh, electric, static uh, elect, uh, charge balloon, uh, say a flat sheet uh, of uh, uh, plastic, for example, uh, and made, made, made a balloon, and if light enough, should uh, flow, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so there are some observations done in nature, in in the real world, where where the they measured the, uh, the rising air currents, which were very negligible. But even though the spider was able to float, then a very slight wind, because the spider is very light, so a very slight wind, it would drive the spider uh, in in the horizontal direction. But the the vertical rising was was caused even in the absence of any uh, upward wind so so this is this is due to the presence of the electrostatic uh, field uh, so yeah this, this could be done so uh, as observation but to quantify really to, to measure to have a quantitative uh, experiment this would be like a little bit tricky to do because it's, it's a little bit so how can we measure the uh, the electric charge, for example, of the silk threads, so that we can we can uh, evaluate the uh, uh, electrostatic lift force? So we need the uh, we need the, the we need to measure the the value of the of the silk charge. So so this could be done. So but it it needs some some like uh, uh, devices or measurement tools. Thermal imaging, perhaps. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, this would be also interesting. So, 
observations are, are already done, but quantitatively speaking, it's it, it's it needs more more investigation. Is there any insight into the mechanism of the initial charge separation and what what's actually generating the field? Uh, you mean why why is uh, the uh, what makes the the six cells to be charged? Yeah, is there some type of uh, redox going on, or um, how does charge build up? Yeah, so so when the spider is uh, uh, ejecting the the silk thread, so while while moving in air, you have a very rapid friction. So this friction will mainly cause. Uh, so this is uh, one cause of uh, charging the silk threads. I have a really technical question. What's the time difference between when they deploy them and when they are airborne? So the, uh, the deployment of the silk threads is very quickly in seconds, but they will not balloon. Uh, the, uh, so they will wait until the conditions for ballooning, so they, they have the sensing, the sensors on their legs, so they will sense uh, the uh, the conditions, the mainly the aerostatic uh, field and the wind conditions. And when they when they find that these conditions are like, uh, uh, good for ballooning, so they will they will uh, release more threads to balloon. So first they will release few threads. And then once the once the conditions are uh, okay for ballooning, so there will be so this could be could take a few seconds before they can balloon. These these events do they take place in a certain period of time? I mean, in terms of months of the year. Uh, so to to my knowledge, uh, uh, the ballooning happens on on calm weather days. So when when there are no much wind, and uh, when uh, the weather is relatively dry weather, not very humid. So, depending on the region where these spiders uh, exist, so so this depends also on, on which months, on which day. How many how many parts of the world has this phenomenon been um, observed, or you know what what's the distribution geographically on the world of where Types of spiders exist and where they do this. Uh, so, f uh, from what I have read on on, on marooning spiders, this was observed in in different areas, like in uh, in Australia, in Africa, even in the states. So, it's like on large scale. I mean, I'm just thinking of, you know, if they're traveling in order to increase the range of their territory or however you might want to look at it, yeah, exactly. it's going to happen. It's going to happen at a different time in the northern hemisphere versus the southern hemisphere. So that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, mainly they, 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 they balloon for, for the dispersal. So they will like, they disperse to get more territory. But I have no, not a lot of information about when when exactly this is done but uh, this depends on on mainly on the weather conditions and um. i have a question is um 
are plants with seeds i you know dandelions you know these seeds that have also very thin threads and fly around very long distances is the is it a similar mechanism that is being used or is it very different or is nothing known about it um, honestly i don't i don't have a, a clear idea about this but but it it might be due to electrostatic uh, forces uh, but i i can i can't i can a an answer like what this let let's consider this the history of each organism isn't a um, dandelion older than an arachnid i don't know dandelion is a bunch of flowers together i don't know when they just from in terms of complexity of the organism, I'm thinking that the plant is older than the more complex organism. Yeah, but they could, you know, nature uses similar mechanisms in different stages of evolution, different um, families of species. Let's say um, you have reptiles that already were flying and then you have uh, mammals like bats that fly and the system like the anatomy is different but the mechanisms of using you know physics is, is the same exactly that's exactly my point that's why i was okay. looking at you know, which organism has, has existed longer mm, um this is z i just raised my hand because um uh i think it was about two days ago two or three days ago I was outside on my porch or I was inside looking out at my porch and I was like, wow, I see all spider silk because I could see the, um, it looks like rainbow, you know, the spider silk. So, and I was like, wow. And I went outside and I thought, wow, I think they're flying today. And I don't even know if we have those kind here in Massachusetts, but the spiders were definitely out. And I do believe that, um, uh, part of their emergence would happen at the same time where there's, um, you know, they have to eat. So everything is really synchronized in nature, like um, the emergence of different um, insects and animals happen um, because they have to eat each other too. So um, the prey has to be available for success is what I'm trying to spit out. Thank you. Yeah. And so then the lines are 30 million years old and spiders in general are 400 million years old and this is why details are important thank you <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I didn't know it's it's embarrassing because my major was biology at some point back in time so sperms are fairly recent but maybe there's another example um, about what Z said that's that's such a problem. I'm I'm thinking of toads. I can't recall exactly what their name is. That that um, live underground and only, or just say earthworms. Um, earthworms come up when they feel vibration that maybe they sense. Um, they're responding to that because lucky for them, the vibration on the soil is rain. 
But for example, if people are walking or if there's a truck driving by, things like that could mimic the rain and then earthworms come up and dehydrate. And the same thing happens with, with toads who are waiting all year for rains to come so that they can legs and have little tadpoles and that um, and they will die and lose a whole generation if that's in areas where people do um, like motocross in desert areas there's been a lot of um, species decimation from motocross riding in areas that toads like that live so they have to hope we have to hope that they're hatching at the right time yeah well i really appreciate that you really um Right, because of course, I mean, right now too, the salamanders and the wood frogs are coming out here in Massachusetts to head to their prospective vernal pools and uh, the sound of the rain, of course, would vibrate the earth. And I just never really looked at it like that. The vibration, uh, uh, you know, got down to that level. So thanks uh, a lot, Victoria, that helped a lot. Now, now comes the question, what is the earliest known plant that was flight capable? I don't uh, know the answer to this. Flight capable? Oh my God. I mean, we said dandelions was 30 or 40 versus 400. And, but is that the first example of a flighted plant? I don't know. Maybe a tree. So I have the propulsion one that it's pretty old, that those prehistoric, Oh, a ginkgo? Yeah. yeah, so they have this propulsion stuff. So it's under a pressure, basically. Is it pollen? Does pollen count? Or does it need to be the seed? Because then you have um, bromeliads, not bromeliads. Um, Ferns? No, no, that, I have to think. It's, they're really, they're short. They grow so slowly. Cycads. Cycads. Yeah, I don't know. Oops. So all the way back in time, actually crawling bugs used to do perform what bees are doing now. Like they are still flower types that actually crawling insects um, spread the, the pollen from one to the other. I, w I was always thinking, you know, in the worst case of bees die, which hopefully we will manage to to avoid can we just engineer all plants to be able to be pollinized by crawlers anyways but this goes a little bit away from the topic i think um, but it would be interesting to see if, if plants use a similar mechanism uh, also in the from the perspective of what if all the pollinators die? Or can we engineer plants that use a, a similar system? Um, uh, do, do you think we could do that? Or are you planning in the very future to use this for uh, engineering? I think you mentioned it a little bit um, in the end of your talk. Yeah, so maybe Khalid can answer more about this because he works a lot with robots and uh... Uh, So could, could you clarify the question again? So um, you're asking for uh, robotic implementation of, of that? 
Yeah, because it's basically using free energy, right? Uh, it would be. Uh, could you? Are you planning in some day in the future to use this technology to basically fly very small robots, battery free, maybe? Yeah. So, um, like, there com there are certain components of this of this whole thing that we can potentially use. Um, well, first of all, let's admit that uh, you know we are constrained by resources, so we can't like build this really long, long uh, threads and 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 try to let them fly, uh, and hoping that FAA will not will create a problem that I'm flying random things in the sky, right? So there's that. But there are certain things that we can do. For example, I can try to scale down the system and see, uh, can we use the... So there are a few few uh, cute techniques that the spider uh, is using. Right? For example, uh, it is kind of exploiting the viscous drag, right? So there is a viscosity in air. If the spider silk, silk is really small, if it's really thin, then there is viscous uh, drag from the air. So it's kind of like my finger in honey, right? So if my finger, honey is viscous thread, and if I try to try to uh, move my finger in honey, I, I will I will uh, experience viscous drag. Now at the really really small scale of of uh, spider silk, they're really thin. To the spider silk, uh, air is like honey, and, and that we kind of know, well, not by taste, but uh, by mechanical response. So we can think about doing experiments with uh, fishing lines or thin strings in viscous fluids like uh, glycerin or something in, in the lab and see, okay, can I use that to stabilize a robot? Um, that This type of thing, I, th I can clearly see that happening. Uh, one Relevant example could be uh, jellyfish. Right? So jellyfish has really long tentacles, and uh, I don't think we properly know uh, how exactly they're used in the control of the jellyfish, but clearly looks like they're very important. So, so there could be these applications, uh, piece by piece application that we can think of. But I think. Um, to be honest, we don't have a plan of like building a robotic spider that can fly um, in the sky using electromagnetic uh, forces or Earth's electric current. I think uh, uh, better if we are going to go after spiders, uh, the legs of the spider, the web of the spider, and that and their application in in uh, catching a food and other things could be even more exciting. So for example, the spider web is, is a very resilient structure and that has a lot of applications. Uh, the legs of the spiders, they're very flexible and thin, but they never break uh, like, or, or they seem to be working perfectly. So uh, there are a lot of other biomimetic components in the spider that I think can be more exciting from a, a soft robotics point of view. I'm, I'm wondering though, I'm thinking through the mechanism of the charge separation. I wonder if you had a, um, you know, a solid polymer that, that, you know, carried the negative charges and a very low boiling point uh, counter ion that once exposed to the 
heat and the wind conditions could could start to evaporate, leaving you know affecting the charge separation to some extent. Um, I'm wondering if that's a direction that uh, you know the engine engineering can go. I think yes, definitely the engineering can go that way if there are these existing technologies that can be used. Um, it's just that in our lab, I think we don't have the uh, like single technologies yet. Uh, it'll be just too expensive. Uh, some of them will be uh, like setting these things up will be a bit too expensive. But uh, it's something uh, in in the future that uh, we can we can think about uh, exploring. Uh, but the broader engineering and robotic community, like they, they can, I would you know I'll be very delighted if if uh, they explore this direction. Um, I thought, yeah, Robert, uh, or, yeah, yeah, can, yeah. Uh, can anyone explain me how actually spiders would fly? I mean, does it have anything to do with their uh, body hydraulics or anything and what goes behind their uh, ability to fly? <laughs> their aerodynamics, that's an interesting question. Doesn't they oh, yeah. don't they just put out don't they just put out string in the wind until they have enough string that the string sort of just pulls them along? So no, that was the whole point of um Charles um presentation. But yeah, if you want to shortly summarize uh, for people that just arrived, that would be nice. Thank you. Yeah, so so uh We've been talking about two uh, theories explaining how spiders can can fly. So mainly by uh, uh, ejecting their uh, silk threads. So these silk threads could, uh, due to uh, rising thermal currents, thermal air currents, they could be uh, left or due to the presence of uh, electro, uh, electric field in the Earth's atmosphere and uh, knowing that these uh, silk threads are charged. So this could also create a electrostatic lift force. So these are two competing theories. Uh, so what we uh, discussed in our paper is that the electrostatic uh, forces could be uh, enough uh, responsible for the ballooning of uh, small spiders, which were uh, frequently observed to uh, to balloon. Now, for larger spiders, these electrostatic forces uh, might need uh, might not be enough. So here comes the uh, the role of uh, the rising uh, thermal air, air currents. So uh, once these uh, spiders become float, uh, can float in air, the very slight wind can push them in the uh, wind direction because they are very, uh, very light. So, I mean, does it have to do with, you know, opposite charge? Yes. Of I mean, yeah. how, how does electric field because work? Because the, like, yeah, I mean, the Earth's electro, uh, electric field uh, is, uh, has a positive, is positively charged while the uh, silk threads are negatively charged, so you have opposite charge, which will push, which will push the uh, spider upward. 
Well, like what's uh, what like what happens when you have the electrostatic hair when when the uh, so when you have friction with the hair, the hair will will repel in all directions due to a similar mechanism. Very very interesting. It just it deepens the <clears throat> the uh, genius design of spiders. I've uh, I've been dealing with spiders for a long time and they're they're pretty they're very very interesting uh i just uh, found this uh link uh by google i shared in the chat uh chat room uh for this uh for this discussion uh yeah, so in there, there's actually amazing videos. Uh, the, the, uh, essentially, this is a interview of the Molly's uh, group that I think uh, uh, you also cited in your paper. The uh, it's a quite interesting point that uh, just now the uh, the other author like uh, uh, acknowledged that there's a, for for large spiders the electrostatic force will be not enough, right? So, given that uh, there had, if uh, that that means there's uh, some threshold uh, phenomena that has to happen, both uh, dynamically and uh, bio bio biologically. Yes, exactly. That's what we also uh, concluded in our paper. So, for uh, because we did like a. Uh, sweep parameter uh, simulations. So we have a large number of parameters simulated. And we we uh, we know from the simulations that larger spiders, uh, for large spiders, the electrostatic force is not enough. So here the uh, the uh, rising air currents will, will help them to balloon. Not to, change, not to change the subject, but does anybody actually <clears throat> uh, have any uh, projects that that uh, uh, create spider thread naturally now, uh, uh, it, it, it mimicking the same way that they do it, or 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 have we have we mastered this skill yet? Do we understand exactly how it works? Uh, I happen to go through a few articles here. But some of them, they say that, you know, uh, spiders can, uh, 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 they can fly miles and uh, miles and across oceans and all. And a few say that, you know, they are like uh, the very moment uh, they start ballooning. Um, and, I mean, hardly they would be able to fly and they would actually be I mean, pulled back or uh, they would not be able to fly uh, because of electric field of earth. So... There seems to be a uh, disagreement here. So, uh, so what, what what is true and what is not? Uh, yeah. So, so spiders were observed to, to to balloon very long distances. So, but this depends greatly on the weather conditions. So, the weather we need to have like enough. Uh, uh, electric charge in the in the Earth's atmosphere. We need to have uh, dry dry weather, uh, low wind. So we have many many factors intervening. So many uh, 
in uh, in some 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 uh, occasions spiders will not be able to balloon yeah but in many other observations they were observed to balloon for hundreds of miles and this is this is very well known, uh, documented in the literature yeah i wanted to check in with both of you it's been like over an hour um, um we usually we try to aim to um stay around an hour but to be respectful of your time um is it okay to take one or so more question or do do you prefer to um yeah to maybe um come back another day um and continue the discussion i'm i'm totally fine uh this is Khaled, and this is my first time doing this i'm very excited to very glad to have the opportunity to to uh, to you know, use this platform and and give the question okay great well, thank yeah. you for joining us it's, it's been a pleasure <laughs> and uh, it's been a pleasure hanging around <laughs> yeah thank you for your amazing spider-man uh picture <laughs> that's so cool um yeah go go ahead Ron. sorry i mean could you anyway relate this uh you know uh journey of spiders i mean uh, which uh, they could actually fly for a few meters with humans can we do that i mean i mean we even we could you know actually you know jump or uh, when i don't i wouldn't call it flying but maybe we could jump for a few meters right so could we you know anyway correlate this to humans as well because of uh, or maybe i don't know maybe i'm not saying this right uh, but uh, uh, maybe the aerodynamics or, you know, what, what is the word for it? Uh, the acro acrobatics or something. I, I wasn't uh, sure about the question, uh, acrobatics and aerodynamics. I, I, could you talk about the aerodynamics part? Like, what did you mean by that? I'm sorry. Oh, when I said you could jump, right? I mean, you could jump, right? So maybe, you know, I mean, could you see any relation, correlation between a spider? Uh, because it could actually jump for a few meters. Right? Uh, I, mean, I know. For us, it would not be possible for humans to actually fly for kilometers, but uh, probably a few meters would be possible, right? Uh, because uh, if you could work on your body, yeah. and, uh, huh? so I think we are talking I'm about the word. What, what I'm not getting the word exactly. What is the word for gymnastics and all that? Uh, when uh, um, I'm sorry, for one... oh well, you go ahead and answer the question. Yes, so I, I think we're talking about kind of two different types of gait, if you will, here. So one is uh, the ability for a spider to fly, which is what we analyzed. And then the other one is uh, the ability of a sp for a spider to, to walk around and, and make short-term jumps from one place to another um, without, any, without any silk, right? So it can fly really, really long distances, like hundreds of miles, and it can cross continents using 
uh, using its silk. Uh, and then uh, what we see in our everyday life mainly is is the fact that a spider can you know, can uh, move around here and there uh, like for for a few moments or a few seconds. Uh, and it's a very agile structure. Uh, it is a very agile structure. It has a very agile structure, and it can make these uh, like these acrobatic, acrobat-like uh, movement. Um, if we want to tackle the second this second question about its movement using its legs and and so on, uh, we will actually have to to uh, analyze a completely different dynamics here, which uh, we haven't done yet. But of course, you know, if we can properly understand uh, the whole structure of of the spider, we can potentially, you know, like uh, design robots and so on to do that. That will ask, that will answer questions like, if uh, if my muscle power is this much and if my weight is this much, then I can move or jump uh, this many meters. Do you know how it is, or or do the spiders sense the Earth's magnetic field, and are they using it deliberately? Yeah, that's a very interesting question, actually. Right? Uh, I mean, that uh, I I do not know uh, for sure. I, I think I, I don't think anybody knows. Uh, you know, I, I, for example, or do some animals know before? Earthquake will happen. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if Charbel, do do you have any any comments on this? I think nobody knows for so, sure. Right? Uh, if the question was about sensing the uh, electric field, the Earth's electric field, or yeah, do do spiders know the, about the Earth's uh, Earth's electric field that now is able to fly? Yeah, yeah. So, so there are some uh, experiments done by uh, scientists from University of Bristol, Morley and uh, his colleagues. So they test, they studied uh, how spiders. So they have like very tiny hair on their legs. So they use this to sense the, according to their study, to their study, to sense the uh, Earth's electric field. So they they can know if they uh, it is sufficient to balloon or not. But uh, other authors, they, they have a debate because they said that this uh, sensing cannot tell the difference between the electric field and the uh, uh, very uh, tiny uh, and the wind. So it's like I, it's, there is no, no uh, way for the spiders to differentiate between the oscillations of the, these tiny hair on their legs if it is due to, uh, to wind or due to uh, some sort of electric uh, field. So that's from what I know. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, with this hair and all on the spiders, they develop this uh, static charge, right? And because of this static charge and uh, the electric field of the earth, uh, because, of the, uh, because of this being opposite, like you mentioned, that makes them fly, right? So maybe even humans could have this static charge, right? You touch any electronic appliances a lot and then you, a lot of static charge develops on you unless you ground yourself or maybe you probably you would actually touch something 
and it gets grounded then this gets discharged so uh, let us assume a condition where you have a lot of static charge on you and uh, maybe you are trying to uh, uh, do a uh, acrobatic maneuver right and then uh, 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 because of this uh, electric charge of earth and uh, the static charge that is there on you and uh, because uh, this being opposite charges uh, it could actually push you further uh, than the normal normal way that you could achieve so that that uh, that maybe that is a correlation with ballooning of spider and uh, ballooning of humans probably Arun, I think that you have a career in, in front of you, maybe circus or um, <laughs> or some like daredevil act. You have some really big plans. I, I wonder if that would be possible because of, um, you know, the percentage of weight. So the spiders are so light compared to the weight of their silk compared to um, the lift necessary to carry them through the air. Then if we compared that to the weight of a human and the the um, the size, you know, comparatively of thread that would be necessary to elevate us, I think it would have to be somewhat huge and heavy. Just thinking. Uh, yes, I think it is correct, right? So uh, I, I forgot, but the size of a spider is on the order of like 10 milligrams or something uh charbel feel free to correct me yeah whereas yeah. right like whereas we weigh like you know like a tens of kilograms now um what is the length of a of a, a spider silk it could be several meters like you know tens of meters or so now that can elevate uh so for 10 milligram let's say i, I need spider silk uh, of 10 10 meter length right now imagine to elevate somebody that's 100 kilogram, like 10, what is the, how, how, what is the length of, of, uh, of spider silk that we need? That's going to be like, like almost like a 10,000, 100,000 meter, right? Like that, then we are, like we are way past the Earth's atmosphere and, and somewhere else. So we can do these analysis. We can actually theoretically calculate, but then we will uh, be hit by the limit that our Earth atmosphere is only, only uh, uh, so high, uh, right? So Earth's atm atmospheric field that has a well-defined uh, electric field. Uh, we can't really do much with that. So if I want to you know, have that long. Of a spider silk <laughs> trying to fly, um, I, I I think it's just uh, impossible unless uh, we, we can do something with the Earth's uh, electric field, which is which is impossible itself. I have a final random question: Do the spiders anchor themselves until it is time to launch through silk or anything else? So I, I think the spiders will, uh, by launching, so it it will it will create silk threads, and and uh, you know and when time when it is time to launch, uh, it will create silk thread, and it'll it'll start its flight. Uh, so by anchoring, um, 
without any silk thread, it, it doesn't move anywhere, right? So if it's a calm day and then um, it's just sitting there, then it is automatically anchored without itself doing anything extra. Uh, then when it decides to fly, it will just uh, you know, uh, shoot out these uh, silk threads using some mechanism that I guess nobody knows for sure how it creates these type of things, uh, and it'll it'll start to fly. So it doesn't it doesn't sit there for an hour waiting for the right time. It it's deployment basically on demand. We could say that it. We do not know for sure, right? I, I mean, like it could be that. Well. Uh, it's regardless of whether it knows when to deploy or not, it will sit there and then uh, it'll it'll uh, deploy its uh, silk and then it'll start flying. Now, does it decide that, okay, this is the right time for me to fly? I don't think uh, we know for sure how that happens. I mean, could the spider, uh, uh, could the spider uh, deploy its silk uh, up till a few meters? Uh, is, is it possible? I mean, how, how, what is the uh, distance, uh, uh, the farthest distance until which it can uh, uh, deploy this silk? Is it, is it a few meters? Yeah, it, it, it could be uh, few is it meters. Is it at one go? Is it at one go? Excuse me? I, I mean, is it at one go? I mean, how, I mean this, this deployment of silk. For let's say a few meters, is it at one go? Does it do it at one go, or like it like it, is it like spinning the cobweb? You know, it would actually you know uh, uh, I mean uh, I mean uh, deploy this silk for a few centimeters and then go along. How how is it? I don't know. Probably uh, yeah, my so knowledge I, about this is naive. Uh, I I don't know exactly how it's done, but what I know is that. These uh, few meters uh, long silk threads are released like, uh, 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 how to say, very quickly. And and what happens like before ballooning, so, so the spider will first release a, a drag thread, which is attached to, uh, to, uh, to let's say, if he's sitting on the, on the tree branch, so it will attach a, uh, uh, silk thread to the to this branch, then it will release uh, several uh, silk threads into the air, waiting for the conditions to be uh, to be met for the ballooning. So once the conditions, so I don't know how the spider would decide, but uh, sensing the what's happening in, uh, in the environment, once the conditions are met for the ballooning. The uh, spider will like cut the the silk the drag silk thread which attaches attaches it to the to the uh, to the ground or to the tree branch and then so they so that he can can balloon. So um, I have a question. So the uh, sorry, I, I just uh, started reading the the paper right now and it came came in uh, really late just now. Uh, just started reading the paper. So the I, I just want to know that the whether when I suppose that the the spider will uh, release the thread and probably because the uh, thermal uh, 
uh, uh, draft. Uh, uh, the the well, okay, maybe maybe the uh, the thread is uh, first of all. I guess you you saying that uh, it is um, using the uh, electric potential, the electric field of the atmosphere. Uh, so there is al already a electric field <clears throat> in the atmosphere, uh, and then it just lengthens the the thread. Uh, is it assuming that the the density of the charge along the uh, the length uh, per uh, per length uh, the the lengthwise density char charge density is constant, and then so long as the uh, it uh, it uh, raises or releases the uh, the thread there are more charges uh, going to be released into the into presumably it's a negative charge uh, excess excess electron uh, is, that, is that right yes so that's what happens so when the when the threads are released so due to the friction they will be negatively charged so they will have opposite charge relative to the earth's uh, electric field and that's what causes them to to balloon, to to balloon, to drift upward. Uh, so so basically, um, so negative charge, and then uh, because the non-uniformity of the uh, atmospheric uh, field is that correct? Uh, is that right? Uh, the non-uniformity of the uh, Earth uh, electric field. You mean? Yeah. Is it? Uh, yeah. Is it? Exactly. Let's say. So let's say. Yeah, it's it's, oh, okay. it's you have a gradient in the electric field, so it's it's not uniform, so it will. Okay, so basically, the charge, uh, I, because uh, supposedly, uh, if it is uniform, then there's no movement, right? Because uh, the positive charge is, unless you have to, you can't get rid of the positive charge. Let's say ground um, the spider on the ground, and then uh, uh, let the positive charge go away, then. It, it, it just cancels them out, right? So you have to, the, maybe the electric charge is higher uh, uh, as the height, uh, in, as a function, the increasing function of the height of the electric field, the atmospheric electric field is an increasing yeah, so, function so, of so the height. Yeah, so, so the, the electric field, the gradient will be higher when uh, the prominence is like, that's why when spiders want to balloon, they will climb to branches, three branches or uh, uh, prominences where the uh, the electric field gradient is uh, so high there. Okay, and then uh, so presumably the the positive charge is still left in case they're already in the air. Uh, I mean, I suppose that if they're landed, they can uh, let the you know positive charge uh, instead of accumulating in their body, uh, they can you know let the kind of ground itself uh, whatever. The, depending on, of course, depending on the material, if it is tree, dry, and then may not be able to ground themselves. Uh, but let's say uh, in a place that it cannot uh, release the positive charge, the, the positive charge would just accumulate in their body, right? Uh, yeah, I think so, yeah. So, okay. So, so, but then if they can ground themselves, they all can fly, uh, they have, have more acceleration. Yeah. I, I wasn't sure about that because uh, the acceleration is zero in this, this uh, process. Uh, like the, so I'm, I, I, I'm not sure again. Uh, 
the word acceleration that kind of kind of uh, made me nervous a bit because we, we know that uh, after the initial effect after once it has started flying which lasts for just a few seconds once it is flying um, its velocity more or less remains oh, so unchanged. It, it will, so it reaches terminal velocity uh, because of the uh, air resistance yeah. right yeah okay mm -hmm. uh, yes. but what i'm saying is what i'm saying is that in the ground in the ground when it uh, goes from zero velocity zero to to start climbing uh, there's an there is an acceleration but but i guess that um, matter not not that much i suppose the uh, if you yeah and um, yeah right Yes, yes, that is correct. That the initial effect, the transient dynamics, as we call it, yeah, that's like uh, that doesn't really matter much uh, over the entire flight of hundreds of kilometers. So, and then it can uh, basically also, I suppose, the uh, reel, reel the, uh, the, the the silks in if they want to descend. Is that correct? I um, I'm, I don't think that happens. It's an interesting question. Like, yeah, how does a spider if it goes up, then how does it come down? I mean, yes, if uh, somehow it cuts or, off, or maybe it's, yeah, uh, still cut, then... cut just spider it off. Off and then just fall. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah, I think that sounds more plausible. <laughs> but I, I, I'm just guessing here. I don't know exactly what happens. Yeah, I don't. Well, very interesting question. I, I don't think they're capable of reeling it in. I think they're only capable of exuding. So then I wonder if the silk has, has um, what do you call it? A lifespan, like a given each, if the silk has a given lifespan, because that would, that would um, render it, it, it would maybe neutralize the charge, the field, you know, like maybe it's only, only possible of carrying a charge for a certain amount of time until maybe it, um, you know, soaks up water or something, something happens to change it or it disintegrates. Uh, so I'm sorry, but um, so they cannot reel it in, but they can eat up the silk to then recycle it, basically, and they can do it very fast, actually, um, and, you know, that's how they retract it, they eat it up, basically. And then, um, also, also, if the when the charges accumulates in the body, then um, they, they, it's going to be harder to the positive charge accumulate uh, in the body. Then it'll be harder to uh, to get more even if they just move uh, the uh, to use more soak. It will be harder to get the uh, uh, get the uh, the same length uh, uh, electrically charged, right? So there there must be a limit or something. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, I think so. I'm, I'm, yeah, but I'm, but I'm, I'm not so sure. Uh, and I don't know if anybody knows these things for sure.
Yeah, thank you um, for all the great questions. I wanted to check in um, if there are any more questions from the audience. Please raise your hand. Um, and um, uh, Dr. Mariam, I know you just joined. I don't know if you had the question. Um, if not, I would um, say that we can maybe slowly close down the room and we can always have uh, another day of discussion and, and invite you sometime again if you would be open to it. Thank you, Katerina. And, you know, sorry for joining late, guys. I'm in the UK and it's 2.30 a.m. over here. So um, it's, uh, yeah, I had, I had slept off. But um, I could see it's a really interesting topic. Sorry, I missed it. But thank goodness for replays. So I will be listening to the replays. And if I have any questions, I will forward them to the speakers through you, Katerina, if that's okay. Thank you. Uh, just a small correction Thanks. here. Uh, yeah, just a small uh, correction here. Uh, the charge that is like, uh, the, uh, that is developed on the silk, uh, or I don't know where it is. Uh, it is negative charge and the Earth's atmosphere or the Earth's field is negative. And uh, since uh, like, you now similar charges repel each other. Uh, so that is why that is how they fly. It is not plus minus. It is minus minus. Thank you. Uh, what, what do you mean? The uh, can can you um, the uh, explain a little bit? Uh, what, what do you mean by plus minus? Is that you're talking about the atmospheric uh, yeah, field yeah. or? I mean, how the, how how, how, how are, I'm talking about how are they able to fly? Uh, how how are they able to fly using this? Uh, I mean, the electric charge of uh, Earth, right? So I mean, there is a charge that is developed on the spider, which is negatively charged, which is negative in nature, and uh, the Earth's atmosphere or the Earth's uh, uh, field is also negative, and uh, negative minus minus actually, you know, uh, they they do not attract a repel. So because of this repulsion, uh, they are further pushed away from the Earth's atmosphere. That is how they are able to fly. Well, the, but that, I think that uh, the, the authors have already said that the, there's an elect, external electric field in the atmosphere. Uh, of course, I mean, it will have to, the field has to be generated by charge distribution. Uh, yeah, so, so yeah, what, I mean, I, is that what you're talking about? Uh, how the field generates? Is generated. No, I, I, I think somebody, somebody in this uh, uh, room had said that it is plus and minus, and because of this attraction, uh, we are able to fly. I just wanted to correct that, just for the sake of everyone. Thank you. The, so this is what the paper is all about, Varun. So please, um, before you try to maybe correct the speakers, maybe. Um, frame it into a question since they are our experts that we invited about in the subject so if you didn't understand maybe frame it into a question um so yeah thank you uh, i think it's relevant the uh 
uh, the uh, it, you can always Google, right? So the uh, the the re the re relevancy is uh, already uh, uh, provided in the uh, reference uh, in the paper, graciously uh, pro provided by the authors, and there's also uh, in the chat rooms that uh, yeah that that was the first few questions um, that uh, uh, when the room started. So uh, again, in summary, that uh, if that's uh, helpful, that uh, I would I was told that. Uh, the there was a atmospheric uh, uh, field, an electricity field set up by the. It's actually a paper uh, at the nineteen oh three, I believe. It's it's very old paper. Yeah, I I think I, it's an interesting fact that I pick up from this discussion. Very interesting. So, it make me um, actually think about uh, to be more conscientious of the. You know, there are many driving forces around us that uh, I was uh, ignoring before. Yeah, thank you for the, you know, Katarina for organizing this interesting, uh, uh, inviting the, the speakers and the very interesting discussion. I just hope that there will be more um, experiments, you know, done to uh, uh, verify, you know, uh, whether this field is, uh, uh, there, there are actually talks uh, on the um, uh, web that uh, how to harness this uh, atmospheric uh, electricity field. Oh, oh, so, wonder um, we uh, just add uh, one point. I just want to add uh, add one point here. The uh, the so the, the the it's not just the electric. Uh, I mean, the negative charge on the. Uh, the thread, um, there's still positive charge uh, there in the, kept in the body, uh, unless there's the grounding, let the uh, uh, positive charge flow away. It's just uh, uh, the gradient in the field that, uh, like the, uh, uh, the the two authors uh, pointed out, um, the gradient in the field uh, that that made the uh, the net force is upward. Uh, yes, especially the gradient part is very important. That uh, you have to have like a gradient of the of the electric uh, electric field, and only then uh, it'll 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 fly. You can actually flip positive negative to negative positive, uh, but still uh, the gradient will is the one that will ultimately uh, let it fly. But I do overall, I do have uh, reservations on how stable is this uh, uh, field set up by the air ambience i mean the earth magnetic field i, I can see it's very uh, stable and uh, so so yeah again you know i, I really wish hope that, that there's more experiments uh just like uh, uh, say the any type of fiber uh, shape uh, materials can as long as can has uh, acquired negative charge by uh, collision with the air molecules and uh, kind of a uh, abrasive, uh, you know, acquire negative uh, electrostatic uh, charge. Then that shall not be a hard experiment to carry out to to verify. But I maybe I'm just you know uh, ignoring that I haven't seen. If there, it would be great to you know, if there's uh, uh, experiments like this uh, to show the. To you know, to to 
to be convincing this actually a stable uh, field, uh, uh, force field, uh, suffice for uh, the spider's uh, biological uh, purpose in this uh, scenario. So I also did a, a search on the, the other uh, hypothesis, i.e. the fluid dynamics. I think in their in that in their paper they did show that uh, uh, that that force is suffice to lift up to a kg level of weight. So yeah. So then the remaining question is whether uh, this uh, uh, turbulence uh, air lift is enough for uh, the phenomena observed of travel uh, uh, flying spiders to travel. Uh, miles and miles i think probably just you know the also katarina mentioned uh uh, uh what was the what's the plan uh, uh, Dalia? Uh, the, uh, the 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 spreading yeah. seeds uh by the uh, uh that uh that but they are different like grass type of that have this uh, similar, you know, very thin. They look like uh, they they have things that look like a spider silk almost. I don't know if you ever saw them. And they spread through the air um, and fly up. It's it's really. If you have allergies, you get scared by the vision. If you <laughs> pollen, uh, pollen, for example, yeah, it, it can spread. Like uh, I mean. But to fulfill biological functions, I think it's definitely uh, crucial, right? So that's that's I, I think I believe I, I personally you know fascinated by this fa the new facts that pointed out by this paper that uh, there is uh, actually a, uh, a frame of, of, of forces that are around us, and so uh, I think a, a way of looking at it is like the thunderstorms function like a battery, like driving the uh, the current the charges uh, distributions so that uh when there's a cloud that the the, the cloud itself you know is it is somehow drives the positive charge to the ground through the uh, uh, uh cir circulation of you know uh uh the, the, the called the uh, fair air that uh, through places where there is no uh, thunderstorm so that's why uh i mean the author uh uh, have uh, uh, claimed that uh, their, their research uh, shall be carried out in the fair air condition where there's an electric field set up, uh, i.e. pointing upwards. Uh, that means the uh, negative charge will be, uh, will feel a lift. Again, you know, it's, uh, it's my uh, curiosity to see how stable and how, uh, if it is a uh, as you know, it's stable as um, the magnetic, uh, the Earth magnetic uh, field. Then it does, it definitely participate in the evolution, right? So that'd be a significant findings. You know, just, just you know, I think this is just uh, true the core of science, right? So that's why it's fascinating to me. I have a question. Um, I um I came across a concept, um, which didn't have sufficient scientific evidence, but it was called electrogravitics. Um, the assumption being that, uh, I think hydrofoil is an example of this, but basically 
you have a really thin planar um, flying object, uh, say a, a disc shaped boomerang, and uh, it uses electric fields. Um, um, in I don't know, I don't understand if there was a gradient involved, but essentially leveraging electric fields to be able to fly through the air in a um, in a way that's uh, it's it's like um, electrically assisted propulsion, but I I'd like I think it was called electrogravitics because it, the assumption was something about how the mass was reduced. Um, I don't know if anyone could clarify if that's a real thing or not, um, and uh, if that might have anything to do with uh, the mechanisms here, or if possibly the way that spiders fly could give us a hint into why that wasn't actually um, electric fields influencing gravitation, but something more along the lines of what happened here and i'm sorry i missed the earlier part of the presentation so i'm just trying to read the paper and understand what's happening but if anyone clarify please that would be great thank you um i'm not sure about the electrogravity i never heard uh, of that term uh could you clarify that a little bit, please? Um, so just, I'm going to read off of, uh, so electrogravity is claimed to be an unconventional type of anti-gravity force created by electric fields effect on a mass uh, coined in 1920s by Thomas Townsend Brown, who tried to make it a propulsion system, but failed. Um, it's, it's a pseudoscience as far as I can tell, but um, it's, it talks yeah. about how, yeah. Sounds like pseudoscience, but okay. Uh, so I think the the um uh, the, the uh, theory was that electric fields, when um um when manipulated in a certain way, would allow you to reduce the effects of gravity on an object, therefore achieving better lift or propulsion. So um I, I I'm just trying to uh, um so I, I understand it's probably pseudoscience, but could you please explain um if if I'm not being asking for repetition how exactly the spider flies um... well so there is a earth has an electric field and there is a charge on the silk of the spiders and because of the gradient in the earth's electric field uh, there is a net propulsive force that acts on the spider upward um, that essentially enables uh, the spider to to fly uh, what we show is uh, for small spiders uh, the earth's electric field is good enough uh, for this flight to happen if the spider is on the heavier side then it might need help from from wind speed the earth atmospheric field may not be enough but more experiments physical real world experiments will need to be done to confirm that case Oh, thank you so much. Okay, great. Thank you, everyone, um, for this great discussion. And of course, a special thanks to our guest speakers here today. Um, you, um, thank you for answering all these questions very patiently and uh, for sharing your time and knowledge with us. It was such a great topic and discussion and you uh, explained it so well that uh, we could understand so really appreciate it and uh, you're welcome 
I need a day uh, to come again or participate in our discussions. So I hope you enjoyed it uh, here at the Science Society. And uh, yeah, thank you again. Yeah, really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Yes, thank you so much for uh, organizing this talk and for everyone. Uh, this is the first time in the clubhouse and I enjoyed, the, uh, enjoyed it. So, yeah, thank you so much. Maybe for our next, next one. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, anytime. If you have a project or another project or an update, yeah, jo uh, join us and and share it with us. Um, and um, yeah, we'll have a recording of this room for everyone that came late. Please check out our recordings. We will also um, put them on our website and on YouTube and our Spotify account. Um, so uh, yeah, please check that out if you came in late or missed uh, parts of it. Um, and um, yeah, follow the Science Society. Um, we have uh, more guest speaker events coming up. Let me just um, tell you the few um, coming up this week. Um, tomorrow, Dr. Singupa from, uh, Singupta from Yale University will talk about how neurons find their place during development or recent publication. And then we'll have uh, the team of Dr. Bzdok, um, they did the biggest uh, study so far with over 6,000 uh, test subjects, um, TRIPS and neurotransmitters, uh, the biggest psychedelic study that was ever made. And uh, then on Thursday, we have Dr. Liu from uh, Penn State. He actually is the founder. He is actually the founder of um, of a whole NSF institute. Um, so he's a very accomplished uh, physicist, and he developed a new theory of entropy solving material design. And um, yeah, so uh, please follow our club if you like discussions like this. And uh, again, thank you so much for special um, guests here today. And uh, thanks, everyone, for the great questions. Yeah, thank you very much. OK, I'll close the room in three, two, one. Bye, everyone. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Charbel, Khalid, Katarina, everyone.